Recently, I've been trying to get in better shape by hitting the gym and making better food decisions and all those things that make a person generally healthier. But the most important thing is staying hydrated. Hydration is one of, if not the most important things to living a healthier and better life. And Liquid IV is your best ticket to achieving that goal. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, which is pretty significant. I really enjoy Liquid IV because it's easy to take. It's easy to take with you, which makes it super convenient, whether it's after the gym or if I need to pick me up uh, in the morning after a night out or just a boost of hydration while I'm at work. Staying hydrated is so much easier for me because of Liquid IV, and I think it can do the exact same thing for you. Also, if you're worried about the flavors, don't be. They've got strawberry lemonade and lemon lime, which are some of my favorites, and they are very good, but they got plenty of other flavors, so you'll find something you like for sure. So if you want to start getting and staying more hydrated, you should try some Liquid IV. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code BADMOVIE at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code BADMOVIE at liquidiv.com. your regularly scheduled programming to bring you some breaking news. There's been reports all over the area of something crazy going on, something big. People's homes, their minds even, are being taken over by something called, what is it they're calling it? They're calling it Bad Movie Debate. What up, horror nerds, and welcome back to Bad Movie Debate with me, Jacob Babb. We're doing a review episode this week because, uh, or this episode because uh, Mike Flanagan just finally came out with uh, The Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix uh, a week ago, literally a week ago from today when I'm recording. And uh, there's just no way I can't talk about it, right? Like, it's just so, it's just so fucking good. Like, I mean, I feel like everybody knows who Mike Flanagan is after uh, ha- uh, Haunting of Hill House, um, Bly-, Bly Manor, and then uh, Midnight Mass. He's done other stuff too, but like, those three have kind of like really put him on the map, but now this one is really something different. This, uh, this one's wild. So those first three he did, um, obviously this one is Edgar Allan Poe. It's all stories from Edgar Allan Poe. It's kind of like taking his stories and creating a whole universe out of them. And it's amazing. Um, so pretty much it's just like, it's, uh, Mike Flanagan doing what he does best, um, which is adapting from books. Haunting of Hill House is obviously uh, The Haunting of Hill House uh, by Shirley Jackson. Um, Bly Manor is The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. And then Midnight Mass is actually an adaptation of his own unreleased book. He's been working on Midnight Mass, the story of Midnight Mass, forever. Um, and if you've ever seen uh, his first uh, his first feature, Hush, the one with uh, it stars his, his wife in it, you'll recognize her from any of these shows. Um, she's the main character, but she plays a deaf, um, writer. She's an author and she's deaf. And it's like a, so it's like a serial killer thing. Like a murderer is like a, trying to like get into her house and like kill her and all that good stuff. But, um, but she's, uh, but she's completely deaf. So that adds a little extra thing to it. But, um, her neighbor who you will also recognize from like all of these shows, um, is uh she comes over and she's like oh i just finished your new book and the book she had if you look close the book is midnight mass and the neighbor says she loves the characters riley and aaron which if you've seen midnight mass is obviously like two of if not the main characters and it's it's just ridiculous dude this way the way he 
told this story. Uh, he was able to tell that story visually, and I think uh, I think a book would have been awesome. But I'm glad he was able to make a show out of it because it's a lot easier to rewatch a show. I've already seen that one like four or five times, and I'm gonna see The Fall of the House of Usher at least three or four more times before the end of this year because it's just so fucking good. So anyway, you knew it was gonna be good going into it, right? Like like I knew it was gonna be good going into it. I'm sure everybody knew it was gonna be good because of Mike Flanagan's track record. But then, like taking a taking a like a more close look at it, it's just it's him adapting horror uh, literature again, which he is just so good at. Obviously, there's a lot of like all of them have completely. I mean, we don't know about Midnight Mass, but like all of the other things, um, you know, that's not what the book of uh, Haunting of Hill House is. That's pretty much kind of how the turn of the screw goes, but like there's a little bit of this and that and the other. It's it's a little different, but that's it's that one's a little more on the head. Midnight Mass, we'll never know. And um, obviously, none of this Edgar Allan Poe stuff is a direct adaptation because it takes place in 2023, and uh, obviously Edgar Allan Poe was much a much longer time uh, ago than that. So, but even some of the stories aren't exactly the same, but the way that they're positioned in the narrative, it works and it makes sense. So. Mike Flanagan did it again. Shocker. I don't think anybody is surprised by that. And I think my, well, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. My main like point of doing this, uh, this episode here. And, uh, but first I just want to talk about, so each, so I didn't know anything about this show going in. Cause I, I mean, y'all know me. I don't like to look into stuff too much. I don't like looking at trailers um, or anything like that. I just need to know what it is. Like, what's it called? Who made it? And what's the log line? It was like Mike Flanagan. I was like, yes, already, already going to watch it. Follow the House of Usher. And I was like, holy shit, he's doing Edgar Allan Poe. That's fucking insane. So I did not really know that going into it that um, it was going to be, I thought it was going to be just eight episodes about the fall of the House of Usher specifically. I did not know that each uh, episode was going to be named after a different Poe story and, uh, have like the climactic scene of each of those in each one um and not even that but like every if a character has a name in this show it is a name directly from Edgar Allan Poe's work um or maybe even his life because like the mom of the the two ushers um Roderick and Madeline who are brother and sister in the original Poe tale um and who are our our main characters in this one two of our most main characters um and uh their mom is a uh, is a uh, Liza which is taken from Poe's um actual mother's name I believe maybe I read that wrong maybe I'm remembering that wrong but point is every single thing um every single name every single moment is directly from a uh Poe uh story and it's absolutely just incredible um so we've got let's see from beginning to end First episode's called A Midnight Dreary, which is the opening lines of The Raven. Um, but uh, that's kind of like the, that starts the fall of the House of Usher premise and stuff. And that's our, that's our continuous narrative throughout, is the fall of the House of Usher as all these things go on. Then we have um, Mask of the Red Death, which, oof, that episode is pretty wild. The end of that one, which if you've read the post story, it's a big party and everybody dies, right? Like it's pretty easy to know what's going to happen in each episode. Once you know, um, once you see the title of it. And if you've read, uh, if you've read Poe, like you have an idea about it, how it's going to go, but how we get there is so organic 
and um, how we get to each of these things. Like, it totally makes sense. It's like totally logical. Would actually happen. Like, feel it feels very real that these things would happen. These like super over the top crazy things. Where, like, somebody throws a big party and everybody in the building dies. You know, like a man loses his mind because of a black cat. Um, somebody gets killed by a chimp. Like, um, it's a telltale heart. Like, if you know, you know. So, like, but, like, the way that those uh, kills, like, murders happen in the show are so subtle, or how we get to them, rather, is so subtle and, like, it's just organic is, is the proper word because it just makes sense, like, how we get there. Like, at no moment was I like, oh, this is stupid. Like, there's no way that, um, there's no way somebody would be in this situation for this to happen. Maybe the pit and the pendulum one was a little, was probably the most over the top kind of one. But other than that, they're all pretty damn organic and stuff. Like it makes sense, but that one's a bit of a reach. So just watch the show and then you'll see. Um, so we've got, like I said, Midnight Dreary, Mask of the Red Death. And then I believe the next one is, probably should have pulled it up. Uh, the next one should be the Black Cat. No, it's a uh, Death in the Rue, uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue, and then it's a uh, Black Cat, and then it's Telltale Heart, and then it's the and then it's the Gold Bug, and then Pit and the Pendulum, and then we finally end with the Raven. I believe that is the order of operations of the um, episodes. But regardless, um. So, again, like I was saying, like, you know how the Mask of the Red Death is going to end. Everybody's going to die at a party. You know how um, the next one, uh, Murder in the Rue Morgue, like, you know how that's going to end. Somebody's going get to get killed by a chimp or an ape of some sort. And then um, so on and so forth. And uh, but just how they do it and how we get there is just like it just makes so much sense. And then the like so they're like the ushers are like a big um, they own and operate well they basically own and operate um this uh company called Fortunato which is another Poe reference if you've ever read uh the Casa of Amontillado that is the name of uh the dude that he puts behind the wall which guess what that happens too so it's like even without the uh direct like episode one they're able to put in all these amazing moments Mike Flanagan writes in all these amazing moments of uh, Edgar Allan Poe, um, like that one's like a long narrative, like and stuff. Like obviously, there's hella spoilers in my review here, but still, you should watch it because it'll still it's still worth a watch, even if you know everything that's gonna happen, which you kind of do again, like I said. Um, but regardless of all that, um, uh, and then like Roderick, uh, Roderick's first wife is named Annabelle Lee, and she's like the only person who's good in the entire thing, which is funny. And then there's the granddaughter, Lenore, and she's like the only other person that's good. Everybody else sucks. Literally every single other person in this show that's a main character is terrible. They're just terrible people. Um, all played amazingly, and it all works super well. Honestly, my biggest thing for me was I didn't know that Mark Hamill was in it, and he plays a really fucked up uh, lawyer to the uh, the Usher family, and... Uh, he is incredible. Like I didn't even realize it was him. It took me uh it took me a good uh twenty minutes of the first episode and like seeing him more and more to be like, holy shit, that's fucking Luke Skywalker, and he is very fucked up. He's doing very fucked up shit right now. Um but he was he was 
phenomenal. I would say he's probably the standout role because, you know, most of the characters um, are played by people you've seen in other Mike Flanagan work. Um, some of them um, are a little new, maybe. Um, but if you've seen all of his stuff, you've seen just about every single one of these characters except or these uh, actors except for um, Mark Hamill. So I think he was probably the breakout on this one just because uh, I didn't expect him and I knew all the other people were going to be there and that they were going to be good. Obviously, Mark Hamill was going to be good, but I didn't know he was going to be there because, um, again, I don't watch trailers. Um, but I guess my main thing about this entire the entire show like the main thing is and I've obviously already talked about it a little bit but the important thing about this show and why this show is worth watching is because recently there has been a lot of anthology type shows like horror stuff coming out that try to have a cohesive narrative while telling a bunch of different stories, or at least there's at least there's one that comes to mind. I've talked to a buddy at work about this quite a lot. Um, so scary stories to tell in the dark. Those books are amazing. Those stories are incredibly scary. If you're a kid, I mean, they're even creepy uh, now. Like to this day, they're still pretty damn creepy. Um, so they made a movie, and Guillermo del Toro was one of the uh, producers on it. So it was like, oh shit, this is gonna be really good. Unfortunately, it was not. What the problem was is they tried to create a narrative, like an overarching narrative that puts people in a scenario where they would be in stories and moments from the books. So, you know, and that totally makes sense that you would want to do that, right? Like, like you wouldn't want to just have like a truly anth anthological, and you wouldn't want to have a true just anthology movie where it's like, here's this here's this unrelated thing, here's this unrelated thing, here's this unrelated thing. Like, people don't really do that anymore. Trick or Treat is probably one of the best one of those horror-wise VHS. That's another really good one that does that. Um, so it obviously can work, but people just don't want to do it anymore. There has to be an overarching narrative to keep people compelled, because if it's a movie, because then they would just make a show, you know, if it's not going to have a an overarching narrative um, is what it seems like. Like scary stories to tell in the dark would have been a lot better if it had been a show and we just, each episode was just a different um, one of the stories. That's what they should have done. That's not what they did. So they had this uh, very loose, not very well written um, overarching narrative about like a book, which was a little on the nose um, about a book and that makes all these different scenes and moments from the stories, uh, the books, um, happen. Um, and they're all related and it's like our main characters, like one goes through this and one goes through that. And, but it just doesn't work. Like each of those vignettes of those moments are really good. Like those moments from the book, those scenes from the books are really, really good and definitely worth a watch. But like the entire overarching story was not fun to watch and was kind of stupid. Um, which was a bummer. I also did not like the main character, the girl in it, because uh, she obviously doesn't wear glasses glasses in real life because she kept pushing her glasses uh, back up her nose by uh, the lens, like right where she would need to see, and that would smudge the fuck out of them, and that is like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I wear glasses, and I don't know why anybody would purposefully smudge their glasses just to put them back up so they can see. It's like, it's so counterintuitive. Like, why are you gonna... You're going to put your glasses back up 
where they're supposed to rest on your face so you can see properly, right? But you make your you make it harder to see by smudging them every single time. And she never cleans her glasses. Maybe she cleans them once or twice, but she's just always doing this shit. It's infuriating, <laughs> to be completely honest. But that's neither here or there about that. Um, but uh, and then the new Goosebump show with Justin Long. I uh, same coworker. I was talking to him about it, and uh, he said he's watched the he had watched the first two episodes, and he said so far they're doing that same thing where there's an overarching narrative. And then they're putting in these different moments from the books, uh, the Goosebumps books. And uh, he said this one's doing that, but he thinks it's going to do it better so far. So I'll need to get on that now that I've uh, binged through uh, the fall of the House of Usher. I need, and it's still that uh, tis the season, that time of the year. Um, I might watch that one next um, and see how they do it. But that's the the main point of uh why the fall of the house of usher is so good because the overarching narrative like you could have literally just had the overarching narrative of the fall of house of usher and like not even like put in all these other things and that story was good like the story of this company like all these these family members start dying um this guy who peddled a quote unquote non-addictive everyday painkiller that's good enough to like help you with cancer but also soccer moms that have headaches like that's how like you hear that them describe it like that in the show and uh um and then like all these people start dying around you or like your family like his family everybody starts dying and like just that main story is awesome but what they do that's even more awesome is all those deaths are directly lifted from poe so that's how you do an anthology of like a universe, like a bunch of different stories and you put them all into one narrative and like Mike Flanagan and the other writers on it. I know he, he wrote, he and someone else, at least for every episode. I don't know if it was the same person every, every episode, like it was him and that other person or if it was him and someone else, but he wrote every single episode, which is the key to, um, to his work. He didn't direct every episode, um, but he directed mostly every episode. So that's also key to his work. If he writes and directs most of it, you know it's going to be amazing. And he wrote all of it, directed most of it. So, uh, God, he's just the best. He, just, he literally never misses. Um, he, he's never made a misstep, in my opinion. But um, at least not in the past, like, six years. But regardless of that, um, yeah, that's the main thing, is they did the anthology right. They were able to take the world of Edgar Allan Poe, the universe of Edgar Allan Poe, and make it all real in a completely organic narrative that make it just makes sense. Like at no moment, like I knew like when deaths were coming and I knew how they were going to go for the most part, but how we get to each of those moments is super thrilling and like very good. And like, and that's the, and that's like the main reason why Mike Flanagan is the best at what he does right now. He's like, I think he's the best horror um, writer director out there right now. And the reason is, is because he's not setting out to tell a horror story. You know what I mean? Like he is out there to like, obviously all of his stuff is horror, but he's not there to tell that story. He's there to like put the fall of the house of usher specifically he is there to tell the story of of uh, greed from a specific family and uh like the main theme like the main themes of the fucking actual story you know like 
like the demise of a great family because of the decisions they made along the way to the point where all of this starts to happen um, because of like the deal they made with themselves and with death even like many, many years before. And we're seeing the fruition of that deal, like all come together in this Edgar Allan Poe way that is just beautiful. So obviously it's going to be a horror show and have horror elements because of that. And it's just, it's just beautiful. And that's why he's so good. That's why he's the best. He, he sets out to tell a drama. He tries like the main point of the story isn't to scare people. So you don't get the roller coaster and it does sit with you, but like, it's so worth it. And it's, it's, it's just amazing. Cause it's like, you know, uh, what is it? A haunting of Hill house is the story of, uh, is grief, you know, like it's, a it's all about grief and loss and stuff. And he gets, sets, he sets out to tell that story, but it's also very scary. Like he, like the drama of it outweighs like the importance of the drama narrative outweighs the horror moments in his work. And again, that's why it works so well and why he does such a good job. Bly Manor is a love story. It's very romantic, but there's like horror elements and there's like genuinely very creepy and scary moments in it. Um, same with midnight mass. Like that's the story of, uh, that story is like religion and addiction. Like, and stuff like that belief faith like it's all like it's like that's what the main story is but then you have some really fucked up scary shit going on uh right alongside of it because those all of those things a midnight club um the one about uh the termini terminally ill kids and stuff like that's a story of like found family and like friendship and stuff and uh that's his that was his like teen one um and uh, so it was super sad that they canceled that because that was going to be his, like he was going to have more seasons of that, but then they fucking canceled it because that's Netflix for you, even though it's like literally the guy that's making all of their horror stuff the best horror that's out right now. And they don't let him get a second season because not enough people like that one, which is stupid because it was very good as well. But um, the point being, um, and then here we have the story of a family, the like uh the falling of a of a very powerful family um due to their own decisions and um their own greed and everything and then there's horror elements in there too and like that make it genuinely very scary and horrific like like i think he sets out to tell a story that is more he's like i want to make you feel something and cry but i also want to scare you along the way like i want you to be terrified of this i want you to see how scary this can be you know like how scary grief and loss is how scary love can be and like the potential of like love loss and stuff um how scary uh addiction and like unchecked religion like can be maybe he wasn't saying that that's what i, I grew up catholic and that's a very catholic like oriented story like the religion in it is catholicism um but like how scary stuff like that can be like at least that's what i took from that one midnight club like how scary being a, a terminally ill kid like i mean that's just obviously scary but like um but also like finding family and like losing them and stuff and like the horror that comes along with that and like bad intentions of uh of the people who are supposed to take care of you and then here in the fall of the house of usher it's like how scary is it being um like watching your entire family like die 
around you and like not only are you going to lose all your power and stuff but like it's all it's because it's all your fault like you did this like Roderick and Madeline uh Madeline uh they uh they de- they made this decision you'll see when you watch it um and we'll get too into it but like you'll see like they made their decisions to do this and uh by the end of it they lose everything um honestly rightfully so and like but the the horror along the way of that is just like it's like the horror of bad decisions like the what happens when you're too greedy like and stuff like that you don't care for other people you only look out for yourself and stuff and it's just it's just beautiful you know like and that's why that's why Mike Flanagan's the best because he he goes he sets out to write drama and then adds in the horror stuff like takes it to a place where it's scary and then manifests it like for real like he makes these fears real um in such a way like it's not you know i mean again like y'all know me like i love halloween and like i think that uh halloween is like michael myers is just like a representation of evil like just blind pure evil and stuff and like that's scary and it's in the setting of like he's killing a bunch of uh babysitters you know it's supposed to be called the babysitter murders um at first um but uh like that's scary but like in a completely different way like that one was meant to scare you know, and it does, and it's good, and the story's great, but, like, it doesn't make you, it's not gonna make you, like, feel, you know what I mean? The thing, great, not really gonna make you feel, alien, great, not really gonna make you feel, like, but the stories are still good there, so, this is something different, like, it's, it's not, it's, uh, I guess I'm just gonna go ahead and say, it's, it's, it, he's taking it all from literature, it's literary, he is a liter, a horror literature filmmaker like he is making horror literature like it's not just like it's scary and terrifying and everything but it's there to do more than just scare it's there to make you feel and think and comment on uh things going on in the world uh comment on things that uh happened in the past you know like or sometimes all three you know what i mean like and that's what fall house busher does uh it does uh comments on now uh has historical commentary in there and then obviously the emotional component and stuff and like that's the three things that make good that are the basis of a good story right like like the structure of a good story like if you got even just one of those like your story is probably going to make sense and he ties all three of them in in a very beautiful literary but terrifying way and it's and it's amazing. So, uh, I don't know what else to say about it at this point. I've definitely just been rambling, but, uh, you get the point, go watch it. Um, watch everything he's ever done and more. Um, definitely watch this one though. Uh, does not miss, uh, horror side kills are really good. Like there's really good, uh, kills and deaths in that sense. Um, lots of good scares. Um, beautiful story that just takes, uh, takes you all over the place uh every everything you want to see from on uh from edgar Allan poe on uh in a visual format like he did it they nailed it absolutely crushed it acting top to bottom is amazing um score is amazing writing's amazing amazing editing's amazing effects are amazing just literally every single thing at no moment was i not 
Like at no moment was I not impressed. I was always impressed. I was never taken out of it. I was never distracted. I like was just laser focused on every single thing that was happening um, while I was watching it. And uh, it's hard to get that these days, especially with horror. So 10 out of 10, five stars, two thumbs up, all that jazz. Um, I think I'm, I think I'll go ahead and say this is probably better than Midnight Mass, which is ridiculous because I thought Midnight Mass was, I never, I didn't think it was going to get better than Midnight Mass from him. Um, this one is, is truly something else. And, uh, I highly recommend everybody watches it. Um, yeah. So thanks for listening to me rant about, uh, Mike Flanagan and his new work, the fall of the house of Usher. Got to talk about Poe, got to talk about Mike Flanagan. Uh, Two of my two of my favorite horror things, Mike Flanagan and Edgar Allan Poe, coming together. Uh, amazing. Um, yeah, everybody watch it. Uh, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Get some liquid IV, all that stuff. Uh, and uh, we'll be back with some more uh, spooky stuff soon because it's still that time of the year.